Hey man, cheers. Cheers. Hey, did you get did you get your tickets for the show? Uh what show? Oh, we're we're going back in time tonight here on Tipping Me. Oh, yeah, we're going to a live event. We've got two front row tickets to see some absolute legends, and we're going to be talking about that here on Sipping Mimos. Cheers. Cheers. Clink. Clink. Elliot, how's it been going? It's been going okay, man. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, we were just talking, like, it just dropped like 60 degrees here in Austin. It's like cold again. Uh, out of nowhere, uh, I've been busy doing like video stuff and photo stuff, which is good. It's good to be busy. Uh, it, just, it just takes hours and hours for like, I've been like cutting like highlight reels for baseball games and stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. Dude, Kansas State sucks at baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a shit about sports, uh, clearly, but like, but watching these games and like cutting highlights, I'm like, these guys are dangerous. Like I saw like 11 batters get pegged by fastballs, like to the dome. Like it's like, these guys are so bad. It's dangerous. It's weird to have an opinion about baseball from from having zero opinion about any sports whatsoever. In the five years I've known you now, the words (laughs) Kansas city sucks at baseball. I never, I never would have guessed. I I would hear you say Yeah. 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 It felt weird coming out of my mouth. Uh, I've never. Welcome back to hitting Mimos where we. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the crack of the bat, Jake. The crack of the bat. Oh, Uh, that that reminds me. We, 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 we jumped out of our time machine. I didn't, we didn't even introduce the show. Uh, Oh, right, right, right. Welcome back to sipping Mimos, the internet's premier nineties rock and electronica podcast. Yeah. I'm Jake. Welcome back. Oh, and I'm Elliot. This is a very special episode because we're we're going we're going to shows. We're going to shows. We we've got our chain wallets. Uh, I've got my hair spiked. I have hair, so this is good. <laughs> I've got my uh, striped sweater that's baggy fitting. My uh, knockoff John Lennon glasses. We have to catch up. But one of the one of the questions I want to ask you is, you know, you're getting ready to go to these shows. What are you wearing? You know, like what are great question. But we'll circle we'll circle back to that. Uh, but Elliot, have you been watching, listening, eating, drinking, anything eating. cool lately? Um, Peacemaker wrapped up, and I tore through all of that. Uh, it's really great. I know you just started, but like uh, once you catch up, we'll have to we'll have to discuss because some crazy shit goes down, and it's just James Gunn. They just let him do whatever he wanted to do in a lot of ways. It's really weird. Yeah, he's he's like a proven entity, you know. Like, yeah, he's a big deal now, man. Yeah, I I think that's that's wise, especially these you know comic book universes where they're they obviously you know directors like Gunn have like are tapped into the source material, have a love for, have a respect for it. Uh, I think it's the I think it's best to just kind of let them, you know, let them make it and just sign the checks, you know. Yeah, and he like, but you, I'm starting to pick up on his like his formula. Like it, you know, while it's a peacemaker is the title character and that's our main character, it is an ensemble cast. And like, have you you've met Vigilante, right? Which one's Vigilante? With the with the full body suit, um, with the, the visor. No, I, I've only Pe- done Peacemaker's the- buddy. Oh, oh, okay. um, how I've far only seen are you? The first the first episode. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right. Well, uh. Eh. You've met Eagly, 
I love Eagly. If anything happens to Eagly, I, I just I, I, I'm not, I'm, I can't take it. When he hugs him, oh. I know. There's a lot of good Eagly stuff. Eagly is like the Groot of the team. Like, uh, and then, but then once you meet Vigilante, I think Vigilante is kind of the Drax. But if Drax is, he has a gun, ha- seems to have this interest in like mental illness and, and like, or, or just like mental conditions. Like, so if Drax is, you know, because he doesn't understand sarcasm and like, so he's kind of like on an autism spectrum. Um, then Vigilante on Peacemaker, who you'll meet in, yeah, I think he's great, uh, is sociopathy. It's really, it's a wild character, but he just, he's like, doesn't feel anything. It's really interesting. Wow. But yeah, yeah. You brought up um, Guardians of the Galaxy, and I, I low key kind of forgot that he Loki. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of, I, it slipped my mind that he was Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Maybe because there's been so much content since the last time I've watched it. I'm just like, oh yeah, um, yeah, but. Uh, He's got a knack for taking these lesser known characters and really making something special out of it. Yeah. He's like the go-to guy for, if you want to like do a Z list comic book character, he, he like, he's like, is an obsessive about it? And like, no, I want polka dot man. And I want you know, peacemaker. Oh, and, polka, and yeah. like, I, I need to rewatch uh, suicide squad. Um, Cause that was a blast. Uh, my, my brother ha- was watching Peacemaker and recommending it to me. And I'm like, well, did you see The Suicide Squad? The Suicide Squad? He's like, no. I'm like, oh, we have, well, you have to watch it. So he like, watched episode one or two of Peacemaker and then, then watched The Suicide Squad. So it was a cool little like, kind of flashback thing just to get the context yeah. uh, for everything. Yeah. I need to go back and watch that, that The Suicide Squad. I remember really enjoying it. I think I only saw it the one time. Yeah. Talk, talk about um, directors who have a love of the source material and have a really exciting movie coming out. Uh, let's talk about Sam Raimi's Dr. Strange. In the multiverse of madness. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Um, I remember, I just remembered like uh, when he was doing evil dead and all that in army of darkness, it says Bruce Campbell in uh, army of darkness in like the opening credits and stuff. As I like it when they do that. Doctor Strange in the multiverse instead of Doctor Strange oh. multiverse of madness, you know? Like he's in it. Like it's in the title. I don't know. I think that's neat. <laughs> it's like an old school kind of way to do your title. Um, that trailer, or there's two trailers. Like there's, there's a Super Bowl TV spot that dropped. And then there's the full length trailer. I I missed because we were we made chicken wings that night and I was trying to get <laughs> I was trying to get the batter just right. And you and you messaged and you were like, "You see that Doctor Strange trailer?" And I said, "No, what Doctor Strange trailer?" So it was I like had... the first commercial, like and oh, the fr- and the first commercial break. And like, so I was at a friend's place watching the Super Bowl, and I don't really care. But like, I, two of my friends are like fans of each of the teams that we're playing: Rams and Bengals. Is that right? <laughs> oh boy, I hope I, don't, I hope I hope I don't become a sports guy. Uh, but it was just I was I was hanging out with the kids and, and coloring. Uh, mostly, uh, but oh, but yeah, like, like first commercial break, bam, Doctor Strange. And I was losing my shit. There's that character in the in the TV spot that's not in the full length trailer, and it looks like a um, it looks like a kind of a Captain Marvel like photon probably thing, but everyone thought it might be uh, like Supreme Iron Superior. Man or whatever, Su- Superior Iron Man or something Su- like. Which yeah, or one of those. I I'm I've I've talked about it before but i'm like starting to like dip my toes back into you know marvel comics and try and there's like a whole like thing of like superior 
Superior Spider-Man, which I think yeah. is Doc, Dr. Octopus. Doc Ock takes over Peter Parker's body or some shit. Yeah. 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 And, which I'm, I still have, I have a lot. I have like literally like 15 years to, to catch up on, but the Superior <laughs> thing. And they're saying that it's supposed to be Tom Cruise. There's rumors that Tom Cruise is going to be a Iron Man variant in, in Multiverse of Madness. But, you know, nothing's confirmed until we see it in the theater, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, I think it looks pretty wild. Um, I, it sold my ticket, man. I'm, I'm going. What, what were your thoughts when you heard the voice? Um, uh, yes, the voice, meaning... It's time we tell him. That's a terrible should... Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Well, um, we should tell him the truth. Engage. Uh, I, <laughs> I am the walrus. Uh, uh, yeah, fucking wankers. All right. Um, the stage banter alone. Okay, never mind. Okay, back on track. Uh, uh, <laughs> listening to this, listening to that live album, like, we'll get there, but like, I kind of really love Liam Gallagher. Like, he's. Like the way he just like literally talks through Wonderwall. Yeah. Like, we'll get there, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I hate this part. Like, what? Like, like <laughs> it's weird. Okay. But uh, but uh, yeah, okay. So Patrick Stewart ap- seemingly appears in the Doctor Strange trailer. I have mixed emotions. One, how cool is that? Much love to James McAvoy, but Patrick Stewart is you know a perfect professor x even though i i don't like those movies and they've aged terribly and and the directors are shit and all that but um it was wild to hear his voice i hope he's a variant and they recast once the x-men actually show up i think that's that's the other feeling i have i I don't want hugh jackman to show up i don't want these shitty fox movies to be canon in my beloved mcu i i think i think that's what's going to happen um I think because Pat Stewart is in his, I think he's 80, you know, and yeah, he's not about to sign a a seven picture deal. Right. Right. He's going to retire soon enough. Sorry. Does he have an Emmy or an Oscar yet or anything? Because he needs one. I, if anything, I don't think he has an Oscar. If anything, he might have an Emmy for like the next generation. For Um, Picard. I've never been a big Star Trek guy. I, I like the, like the next generation movies. Like what was the one that was like, Star Star Trek Nemesis was that one of them? Yeah, I some of them are good. Some of them are boring as hell. But like, I, I like the one with the whales as a kid. <laughs> no, that's that's OG <laughs> crew and all that. I think it's really cool. I seeing that, hearing the voice and seeing the chairs and everything. The Illuminati, clearly the Illuminati, which it like took me back to like sophomore year of high school reading New Avengers which is where the Illuminati was introduced. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, shoot, I totally forgot about that, you know? And they're saying that, you know, it's going to be um, uh, actors named Owen or Yoen, uh, the guy who played Fanta- uh, Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four. Okay. Go I ahead. went back. They're on <laughs> Disney Plus. Like, they're like the Marvel, uh, they're like the Marvel, like, legacy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Yoan, uh, apologize, uh, Grufford, um, probably not. Yoan Grufford? That's probably, that can't be right. <laughs> that's not, that's not a name of anything. Liam. It's not Liam, but you know, well, um, no, the, the Gallagher brothers, 
Gallagher Brothers will make an appearance this whole oh, episode. Oh, yeah, fucking wankers. It's great that they sing beautifully, but then, like, their stage banner's like, Gallagher Brothers, fucking wankers, you fucking pig. I, I like there were multiple times where I had to like I had to go 15 seconds back like what was that? <laughs> yeah, what? wait, what? And he he'd just be like you have an on it, aren't you? And I'm just like what are you talking about? Like what? yeah, the accents are so thick. Anyway, yeah, but it it might be like him and then as like the Illuminati and then because I think I, I went back and watched those. They're so dumb. Yeah, the, the old Fantastic Fours. Yeah, yeah, but kind of fun. <laughs> yeah i get it oh they're for kids or whatever it's whatever but like i don't know anytime i see a mr fantastic reed richards the smartest man on the planet like dancing in a nightclub and stretching twerking and but like man those khakis don't stretch like, <laughs> on, man. like god damn it what are the rules <laughs> i do love chickless as the thing i think that's great casting great chris casting. evans chris evans as the torch is fine jessica alba i'm sorry she's lovely but she's not She's not going to win an Oscar anytime soon. But the guy, the, the guy from Nip Tuck who played Doctor Doom, yeah, he. I thought he was good. He's like okay. He's like twirling his mustache the entire A movie. <laughs> I love to. I, I would love them for them to do Doom properly because he's like a pretty big villain in the in the Marvel world. Uh, in the world where like Ewan McGregor is getting another shot at. Obi-Wan and um and Hayden Christensen is gonna come back as Darth. Like, give him another crack at it, sure. But just be a variant. I really oh, and let us recast because I want my Krasinski Reed Richards, you know? Oh. Um so I actually I was listening to a podcast I've mentioned before, one of my faves, We Hate Movies. And on yeah. it, they were talking about um how em, uh, Emily Blunt. Blunt how she was in line to be um, Black Widow. Interesting. But she had an obligation for a different movie. Uh, so well, went, to Scar- went to Scarlet. Yeah. Well, Krasinski was in the, the final interviews, final rounds for Captain America. Oh, man. And then like he got the call. They're like, yeah, they went with Evans because the doy. But like, uh, <laughs> it'd be a really weird. I think he'd be a fine Reed Richards, but I don't see him as Cap. Because yeah. I think Evans made made that role. Evans is is the Boy Scout, you know, like he he passed as like the by the book, you know. I I feel like Krasinski is more just like a like cut up. I see him as as, as Jim Halpert, you know, like kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't. I hesitate when I, I bristle when people say Captain America is a Boy Scout, like because he, he's just no. He okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, you did, he, you did it, noticeably wince when I said when I like, said because it, fe- it feels like a it feels like a jab or something. But like you know, oh Boy Scout, that's like everyone's critique of Superman and stuff. But like I think his superpower is honor. He's just an honorable man. Yeah, and I don't know. No, I not 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 uh no uh no 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 swipe it, uh Boy Scouts. But I mean no swiping, swiping, no swipe, no swipe. Um. But uh, no, I just I think that's like the the way I've always kind of like like seen and really understood Captain Mary, just kind of like noble, honorable, like you said, just by I the like book. noble too. Noble's good. Believes what he believes, even if it uh, is against uh, government, um, a la civil yeah. war. He's um, just a good man. A good man. 
how great would that be if Emily Blunt, you know, who missed out on uh, Black Widow, comes back as Sue Storm? I think that'd be killer. I'm so on board for it, but she's like said and kind of adamantly so like I don't want to do it. Like, but <sighs> but is that like? Come on, they, we know that they work well together. Uh, um, in Quiet Place movies are pretty dope. So like, let them because they're a couple. You know, they're married and shit. Maybe. It, they don't want to sign a 10 picture deal with Disney and, and, and Marvel, like, cause it'll put tension on the relationship. I, if they're both working at the same time, who's watching the kids. I get that. But yeah. like, um, uh, I would, I would, everyone, that's a fan favorite casting for sure. But, uh, but. And then we both agreed that Steve from stranger things would be a killer. Donnie storm. Right. I, I guess. So. Sure. Or is that what, did we both agree or did I just. Yeah. 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 Are you, are you, <laughs> No, you said, but you said you wanted like Dustin, like the ten-year-old or whatever. But I go, oh, but you yourself. Yeah, who was the <laughs> the dude that was um like the, the kind of like the bad guy in the last season of Stranger Things? Is that Steve is like the dorky dude that like starts out as a bully, but then has the hair. Oh, but, yeah. then, but who's like the bad guy? He's incendiary. I wouldn't mind him as Torch. That's a that's a good idea. Um... Billy Hargrove was the plane, was the plane, the character and the actor is Dacre Montgomery, Dacre Montgomery. He's like the hot lifeguard that all the moms are swimming over. Yeah. And he, and he becomes like possessed. He was good, man. I love that. He's got that cockiness. Ooh, okay. Yeah, sure. Right. Okay, cool. Um, in other, uh, upcoming like movie news, like next week, the Batman comes out, bro. Are you going to go see that? Oh Yeah. Uh, Paul Dano as the Riddler. I'm so psyched. I remember when they that that trailer leaked like last fall. I think. The, well, the movie was like delayed over and over again because of uh, the world being on fire and all that. And yeah, I, I remember we texted each other. We were just like, "Oh, <laughs> it looks <laughs> wild." I'm, I'm vengeance. I'm on board. And he was, I was like. Ooh, the brat bride. Well, that's too that's too much Bane. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your blind eye. Yeah, he's he's doing something weird, man. I rewatched uh, Swiss Army Man last night just to get hyped for the Paul Dano of it all because I'm a I'm a big fan of that dude. I think he's fucking awesome. He's Dano Might. He's he's Dano Might. Episode title. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. Little Miss Sunshine. Uh. There will be blood. I mean, uh, uh, the Beach Boys movie that I never saw. <laughs> oh, Love and Mercy, total recommend. Okay, I'll, maybe I'll check that one out tonight because I'm 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 on a Dano kick. That's and for he's sure. all, he's and he's also in my apparently favorite movie of all time. <laughs> oh, gr- uh, Girl Next Door. Girl Next Door. Yeah, yeah. Is he a horny friend or something? All right. No, he's like the reserved, like nerdy guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that, was, that, I, that was I that was and then he's also he like popped up in an episode of the Sopranos I saw recently. Dano did? Uh-huh. Really? Interesting. So been, I didn't know that. He's been doing it for a while. He's he's great. I'm who have you seen have you seen have you seen Swiss Army Man? I have. Okay. It's it's really weird, but it's I think a, it's a uh, very strange movie. I think it's magical. It's the guy, uh is it Andy? Andy Hole from Manchester Orchestra did the music. Yes, it's Manchester Orchestra. Yeah. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah. yeah, I love it. 
yeah, it's all it's all human voice and hands and stuff. It's great. That guy's that guy's cool. that guy's really Ma- Manchester Orchestra is one of those bands. Really yeah, everyone cool. check out check out the score to that Even movie. It's it's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, I I watched a lot of movies today. Um, today, like today, I watched like three movies today. What do you what? Okay, Snow Day I, or damn yeah, it's super slow. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Uh, I, I started off with The Searchers from 1966 with John Wayne and Natalie Wood. The Searchers. I've never seen it, but I've heard a lot about it. And like I've heard like it's a very much it's a much debated movie because of, uh, I think, John Wayne mowing down Native Americans. Yes. A lot of um, racist um, yeah. aspects to it. Um, I don't know if so the director is John Ford. I know he's commented on it. I've, I kind of like was reading it reading up on it just for the show but uh don't have a really great understanding of, of what he was trying to say uh-huh. uh, but just a masterpiece um and it's always on those like lists like top 10 greatest american movies and i was like we'll see about we'll see if it's better than <laughs> captain ron you know captain ron <laughs> gorgeous uh, gorgeously shot um and it's it's two hours but I, I i didn't feel it at all really great um how about that? I saw the uh, power of the dog. Mm. I saw that on your uh, letterbox. How was it? Um, really good. If they cut out some of the vistas and and Benedict Cumberbatch staring into the distance shots that last for ten minutes, the movie could be half an hour long. But that's um, what you go for. That's what you go. For. Well, yeah. Well, it's like an old western. You kind of go to be like in, enveloped into this world and all that. So it's real. It's it's, it's real slow. It's got that Clements guy, Jesse Clements guy. Who you know the guy that broke out in Breaking Bad, and he was in, he's been in so much stuff like uh, and uh, Kirsten Dunst. It's really super tense, and like Benedict Cumberbatch plays just a fucking monster, and you see his dick a little bit, uh, but it's. Uh, <laughs> I uh, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst, totally uh, Austin residents. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Wait, have you have you talked about this before? They live in Austin. We, he was in um, Friday Night Lights, which was shot here in town. I don't know. Okay, that makes if, sense. I did, yeah, I don't know. I I imagine that's what um, brought him back to see because Taylor Kitsch also Friday Night Lights also lives here. Mm-hmm. Talk about Jesse Plemons. I didn't watch this one today, but I watched Antlers recently. Mm. It's a okay. Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro produced it. Uh, got you got Jay Plemons. <laughs> and then uh, you got my girl Carrie Russell, Felicity. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, it's a supernatural, uh, supernatural movie. Lots of lots of crazy stuff going on. Spoiler alert: It's the Wendigo monster with the antlers. That is that a spo- okay? <laughs> I don't know what. That, do I should I know what that is? Wendigo. Wendigo. Uh, but it was good. Totally recommend. Uh, <laughs> okay. I watched the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oof! How, oh, how is that? Not essential. Okay. Better than like a lot of the Texas Chainsaw stuff from like the last couple of years. Uh huh. Um, I've, I've never been a never been a fan. Uh. Yeah, this one it's like uh, this. The story is like these millennials like are trying to buy like a Texas ghost town, um, but uh oh, who lives there? Other than Leatherface. And he's not, he's not down with that. Is it like an allegory for gentrification? 
Yeah. <laughs> Is it really? Wait, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was half kidding, but it's not, so it sounds like that. It, it like hundred percent is, and um, interesting. <laughs> it's 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 I um, it, it's got uh, Elsie Fisher from uh, from eighth grade, that Bo Bur- Bur- Bo Burnham movie from a while ago. Uh, oh, I missed that one. Uh, eighth grade with uh, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, yeah. And she's awesome. She's she's a great actor, uh, but not a. I wouldn't say it's a recommend. Maybe like a maybe if it's Halloween and you need like something spooky. And then I started, didn't get to finish it. Uh, Airheads with uh, Brendan Fraser and Adam Sandler and whoa and Buscemi. Yeah. Buscemi. Uh, uh, that's been on my mind lately. I don't know why. Uh, I, I recently re- I need to rewatch Airheads. Man, that movie rules. It's on uh, HBO. Is it okay? Yeah. Uh, excellent. 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 Uh, I rewatched uh, So We Married an Axe Murderer. So good. The other night. Like, I couldn't find Wayne's World 2 on streaming. Uh, I really wanted because we've been referencing it lately. Uh, that's outside the show and stuff. I'm like, they got this great big Bengal tiger. Um, I, just, oh. I just wanted to watch it. So uh, <laughs> Del Preston makes an appearance in my notes uh, later on on this episode. Is that the, 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 that character or? Yeah. <laughs> so, there's, so there's me, uh, David Crosby and Keith Moon. And Jeff Beck pokes his head in and says there's a candy shop on the other side of town. <laughs> I had to beat him to death with his own shoe. <laughs> but I got the M&Ms and Ozzy went on stage and did a great, did a great show. <laughs> uh, so... We have been referencing Wayne's World a lot. Lately. Yes, yeah, we have. Yeah, and so I actually, I had the DVD. I had the DVD. I got it. Gosh, at a CD exchange years ago, and so I called. I called my mom, and I was like, "Hey, mom, do you still have my copy of Wayne's World?" And she's like, "I do," and I was like, "Okay, I'm coming over right now." And it's great because <laughs> they're not like long movies, so they both fit on one disc. So, oh, excellent! One disc, even wow. Yeah. Oh uh, man, those movies came out a year apart, and they're both still excellent. I'm ready for a Wayne's World three. Bring them back. It's the age of nostalgia. Everyone wants it. I know. But I'll take a Wayne's World three over a new Austin Powers nonsense or whatever. I'll take that. I, yeah. I, so I listened to. I've been in a real big uh, Mike Myers mood lately. Pre- uh, you know, predominantly because you know, talking about Wayne's World a lot the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and- me too. Apparently, so I married an expert. Uh, uh, lost underrated mike myers movie oh big time um and i listened i found this podcast called it's called the peak show um and what i think they do is uh they pick an artist and they talk about when that artist hit their peak what what you know the rise to that really really interesting um okay and uh and so this one had one of the guys from uh we hate movies on there and they were talking about Mike Myers. And so it, it's hosted by her name is Brie Rohde. She's great. Um, and they talk about my, uh, Mike Myers and, and how his career, and I never really thought about this, but his career is really strange. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, he did SNL mm-hmm. Wayne's world. So I made an action murder, which was kind of like lost. Yeah. Austin powers. Shrek, yeah, grew downhill. Yeah, you know, he, and that's really all he's besides popping up in like some Tarantino stuff. 
he'll pop up in weird shit, but he never, he, I didn't, he didn't like try to make that dramatic turn like a Sandler did in a lot, like where he'll every once in a while do like a crazy drama, like Uncut Joms. <laughs> Uncut Joms. <laughs> Have you seen that meme? Oh my God, it's so funny. Uncut yeah, Joms. I, I, was, I was Josh, is Josh Safdie? I was Josh Safdie. Uncut Joms. <laughs> I think it's so funny. <laughs> Uncut Joms. I guess whoever that is, the actress in there, like she, responded to the meme and like she's like guys i was high out of my mind i'm sorry I said, but keep them coming it's hilarious like a jobs <laughs> so funny look it up people um yeah he's got a weird career mike myers like and like yeah like he, he needs to stop doing the weird like i made this character love guru and i'm gonna like make a giant movie out of it yeah but, like i guess I, I don't think he has to work anymore because he's fine with he's got all that shrek money how many shreks did they make like five or six of them i think it's like five and then there's all those like little shorts they did too you know like famously like on the first shrek he he like recorded the entire thing and then like was like no actually no i'm gonna change my voice and made them re-record the entire movie and cost them like millions of dollars (laughs) but it ended up being a giant hit so it's kind of fine that's that's one thing i've learned he apparently he it's kind of difficult to work with. I think he's got, he's got an ego. It's, it's just so interesting. He, you're right. Like he, and that's kind of what they talked about on, on the peak show. Um, how he never did like those, like, like the way Jim Carrey did uh, like Truman show or. Yeah. Love. Adam Sandler doing punch drunk love. Love. Or uncut, uncut joms, you know, or uncut you know? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, he never did ben, that. Or Ben Stiller. You know, he just kind of stayed with those, these like very like niche specific characters that he developed. And seems like at a certain point when these comedians like have done enough and made enough money like on their comedies, like they're like, let me, can I try a dramatic thing? Even like Will Ferrell did, did stuff like that. Like, but Mike Myers never really did. Yeah, which is really interesting because I, I mean, he's obviously very talented. Yeah, he pops up in Inglorious Bastards, right? Like, yeah. but he's like, I think he just wanted to wear a bunch of makeup and like goof around for a day, but like, yeah. it's weird. Or, or he owed Tarantino a favor or something. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you, if, if you have time, uh, peak show um, on the Mike the Mike Myers episode, I, I listened to it and I saved it and I'm looking forward to listening to more. Cause it was, it was really enlightening. Cool. But you actually brought up something uncut joms, which is very it's you know, uh-huh. very cool because if it? if you go back into the uh-huh. Mimos anthology, yes, um, on our very first episode, yeah, we're talking about uncut jams. We also talk about an album from that episode. We sure do. An album of which was toured on for your artists this week. The the first assignment. I gave you on this uh, show of ours was uh, Daft Punk's homework. And I thought it was important that we start the show off with that um, as a foundation and the album title made sense because I'm giving you homework. And then uh, also it's a, you know, a special informative and important album and it's coming up on a big anniversary. Uh, Did you catch this random Twitch stream? What was, what was the Twitch? what What did they stream? So they streamed a show from the Dauphin Director. Right. Which is, oh wait, are we, here we going? Because oh, 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 we're yeah. going oh, to, gonna... I'm, so, I'm just so excited to talk about these live albums. I, I didn't do a fun yeah. segment. <laughs> okay. 
No, 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 no. It's cool. Uh, uh, we're, okay. Uh, 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 hear me. Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. Oh, shit. Where was? Okay, Birmingham, England. Hello, sir. You have your? Do you have your ticket to see Daft Punk? Yeah, Birmingham's Q Club. Yeah, in it. You got your? T- Let me stamp it for you, sir. All right. Have a good you time. St- you stamped my ticket. Is that <laughs> how this works? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you stamping my ticket? <laughs> and, and, and one more thing. Uh-huh. Here we go. Here we go. Birmingham's Q Club. Right. So Daft Punk were on this tour for homework and it's called a Daft and Direct tour. All one word. Google that, bitches. Um, and in, in uh, 97, they played a show at the, uh, in Birmingham in England and it was one of their favorites that they recorded and uh, they eventually released it uh, through like their Daft Club thing in the Discovery era and then finally printed it and like put it out as an album vinyl and CD release and it's a recording of their live show from the 97 it's like 45 some minutes uh, of of uncut jams because the music does not stop nailed Very it nice. Very nice. <laughs> uh, Jake what'd you think of Daft Punk's Alive 1987 this was like this 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 was unlike anything we've listened to so far. I mean, both albums are in a, in a lot of ways. So as we kind of talked about it last time, Ellie and I both kind of broke our uh, decade rule. You know, we, we normally, except for like our special Avalanche and Elliot Smith episodes, we do normally try to stay within, you know, the 90s decade, decade of the yes. 90s. Uh, we kind of did a loophole. Um, we found some wiggle room because these yeah. these albums are recorded in the 90s. So. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so this one was released 2001. I this was wild. Um, it was it was like you talked about like how you would make mixes in college. Uh, yeah. James talked I did for for a comic book you wrote, which I still want to read. Um, oh, I can give you a copy, bud. I see my Watchmen back. Damn it! Talk about <laughs> first episode. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, wow, it's all coming back. <laughs> Full circle. Full circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, this is this is what I imagine that uh, experience would be like. Listen to like one 
continuous mix of of all that kind of music. It was wild. Like I mean, yeah. I remember when I when I looked at it, I was just like, all right, so this has one song on it. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. In the last episode, like at the end, like you're like, it's one track and it's 45 minutes long on Spotify. I'm like, yep. Deal with that. It's gonna be hard to edit this episode because I had to pull like clips or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's it's this one just live set. No no tracks. No you know cuts in the in the release or anything like that. Let me see. So the the Dopton direct tour ran from January to um, December of 1997, according to the old Wikipedia. Good old wiki. Um, and let's see. There, there were a couple um, North American dates. So. Uh, so let's take so okay so it's 1997 you got tickets to see Daft Punk you've heard homework Oof. some of the singles for the first time yeah who are you going with what are you wearing what do you yeah. think man 97 love that 97 I'm wearing Jinko's a t-shirt a, a some sneakers a hemp necklace and a couple uh, beaded uh, bracelets that someone gave to me in line out front. Uh, <laughs> who, yeah. who, who are you going with? I'm going with my buddies that are all, you know, also DJing uh, with me and stuff like that and clutching records and all that. I'm absolutely going with those guys. And as you're waiting in line, <laughs> what's going through your mind? Like you're getting ready to see Daft Punk. Like, what are you thinking? thinking it's so cold out here i can't wait to get inside it's gonna be quite so much fun <laughs> <laughs> especially if you were seeing them in like michigan that for sure oh my god yeah yeah like do they have a coat check uh, there's not a lot of coat checks in michigan it's which it just blows my mind there's not a lot of coat checks there coat checks all over new york city none in grand rapids michigan where it gets to like 10 degrees for half the year which is it's so stupid all right check a coat all right um <laughs> that's the episode title check a coat check a coat <laughs> coat check um uh, i'm probably out there just losing my mind in excitement uh i'm not drinking so i'm not even going to the bar but it's like oh can i get a coke a cola and then like uh just like getting there way too early you know like that's people that are are not cool enough to know like oh that show actually starts kind of later like i'm like like, where is everyone? Like, oh, well, these are the openers. Daft Punk's playing in 18 hours from now. Like, like yes, yeah, you're supposed to come later, man. But you didn't know that? <laughs> That's, that, was, that was my move. I didn't know how shows work. I would just go super early. What time does it start? <laughs> I remember when I finally learned that lesson, like, when does it start? Like, no, it starts, like, when you get there, man. Uh, and like it's cool to show up a little bit late and like when i was djing at raves and stuff in the late 90s like and you know early aughts and all that oh, friends would be like well i, I want to come out but like, when does it start i'm like it starts later like this it's just question mark to question mark that's not how this works at all like, i think i go on at like 1 a.m you know like, oh okay that, that was always when, when I, whenever i was playing in bands and you know i knew i played late and uh I know, like some folks would be like, "Oh, you, you know, that's kind of late. You know, it's it's school night. What time you play? Oh, you know, well, I mean, it's it's just so fluid. You know, like it, you know, the schedule. Fluid, baby. Yeah. Just you know, if I'd be playing at like eleven, I'd be like, uh, probably want to get there about eight <laughs> thirty. So <they'd> <laughs> you know, like you don't go on for then, two and a half hours. Like, 
I didn't know. Sorry. <laughs> and then it stuck to yeah. Well, well, it's also like <laughs> all her friends are like in their 30s, pushing 40s, and like if I'd say like, oh, I have a DJ gig on Friday, I start at 10 p.m. They're like, ooh. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, I get it. Or if I have, like, it's, or I'll DJ like on a Tuesday at like 11 p.m. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing. It. Like, okay, I get it. <laughs> well, one of your birthdays one year, I actually took off that Wednesday. So I was like, I'm, I'm gonna hang out tonight. Like I'm. <laughs> nice. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Uh, so a couple cool things I I really I I, I learned about this. So a year uh, a ticket in Europe um, for this tour was 11 pounds, or roughly 14 dollars and 89 cents USD. Can you imagine? That's insane. Dropping 14 dollars to see Daft Punk. Well, I mean, at this point, because they they'd had because from from our homework episode, you know, uh, homework was com- comprised of singles that they'd put out in the years prior, right? As far back as like '92, I think. Or yeah, mo- yeah, it's mo- mostly like uh, work that they've they had completed and, and collected and all that. Yeah, and they put out the album. Yes. Because I read something on like Reddit because people were like posting their like tickets from this tour and they were like, yeah, like. You know, it was about three quarters of capacity. It wasn't sold out. So Daft mm. Punk, they weren't as, they weren't Daft Punk yet at this time, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, no. Biggest note for this this performance, uh, no helmets. Mm-hmm. They, they hadn't gotten the helmet thing yet. They hadn't become robots. They're just there wearing sweaters on stage. And you can see like, there's some, I think that's probably what they streamed on Twitch or whatever for this, I guess, 25th anniversary of Homework. And they're, I think they're pushing this live performance as well um, currently. They, they were just two dudes, which is interesting to like look. It, it feels like sacrilege to look upon their faces. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's but it's cool. Like they, they got their setup, man, they're working. But yeah, but this tour is like essentially everything from Homework, a couple remixes in there. But they're performing it live and like overlapping everything. The music does not stop. Uh, and there's like there's like one there's a few tracks and then the uh, uh, the tempo raises and then they just stay there like for a long time and then it just kind of ends. <laughs> like this is like their live encapsulation of how the tracks from homework uh, should be performed. The the one I recognized was uh, and. I- the name escapes me, but the one that goes, oh shoot, you know? Yeah, well, uh, that, that's that's the funk. The uh, funk. One of my one of my favorite Daft tunes of all time. Uh, they they play that early because it's a lower tempo. It's like one ten, and then they raise it up and you know do their do like rolling and scratch and and then they they're they're messing with stuff they're moving the levels around they're, they're cutting the stuff out and then dropping the beats and like really you know playing around with stuff um yeah, making it unique they're, they're taking their songs and like performing them in a different way you've never heard them before it's pretty cool i it was really because a lot of it it wasn't just like because i mean when i'm trying to think of like a like a electronic DJs I've seen like it I, like uh, the one I always go back to is like Ave- Avicii you Avicii. know at, at ACL which was incredible but it was 
I could hear a lot of what he was doing in this 1997 performance. You know, like the like the interludes between songs, and it was like almost like like sound like sound effects, maybe or like synth effects, and then you the beat would kick in, and it would just be something completely new. You mm-hmm. know how there was like never like downtime. There was there was never silence in this 45 minute set. It just it was constantly some. You were, they were feeding the audience something new constantly, which is really impressive. Just truly impressive. Yeah, like the the, the first like rule I gathered like from when I started DJing and stuff like that is, is, is essentially this: the music can't stop. It has to keep going. Like like you can't you cannot stop to the point where like in the day like um when the next DJ would come on, he would mix into your last record. Like yeah. so, we're not even taking a minute between. DJs, these guys are not DJing on this tour. They they are performing a live PA uh, performance. Like so, they have their Roland tech out there and their boxes and they're tweaking the knobs and all that. They're and there's like a piano and they're they are performing this. I, I think they have a, you know a mixer and all that up there so they can they can, they can cut in and out uh, you know channels and everything. But but this is not a DJ set by any means. This is a live performance. And yeah. so from what I remember, they were doing like. A- they had like patches that they would they would kind of like do what, what, is it like the equivalent of like midi kind of thing where they would just like they would patch in a new song and manipulate it with you know knobs and um not tuners uh sliders that kind of that kind of, is that is that the kind of like performance we're doing here i think the idea is that they have um will have like a, a card imagine like a just a like a, like a like a card that you plug into this machine and it is your track and it has all the different sounds and loops that now are, are distributed onto your sequencer and they're they're bringing in the track and the all the different um you know stems or loops or elements of the song as they go like when they feel like they need to so they're performing the song live because uh, they, they have like this these presets preset um set of sounds that are looping and then they can overlap that with another, the next card, the next track, and then they kind of uh, overlap them and and add add different elements, and, you know, do do live improvisation like on top of everything, and and certainly in between tracks. The the other thing I was really, I mean, besides um, being really blown away by um, how just they never stopped, you know, how good this record sounded. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if they if they 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 must have taken it directly from like the mixing board or something because this sound this sounds like a, like a studio record in in a lot of ways, uh, maybe not as like tight or compressed as a studio record, but it it, it could I could argue that I would argue it would pass for that you know it, it just it sounds for a live record it sounds really good. Um, there's yeah I think it's probably from the board and then they're overlapping like some audience. You know, uh, I think the audience is mic'd a little bit, so we get, we're getting that crowd and room sound. I think we, uh, listening back to today, like I think we might be missing out on some panning stuff because yeah. the album's in stereo, but in the club they have four corners, and I think they were sending sounds all around the place, and you might miss out on a little bit of that element with just two two speakers. Wow. Yeah. I am. Um... I was just curious because I love I love learning about reading and learning about 
just these huge bands like the two we're actually talking about today the early early days early days of touring and seeing the small rooms they were playing to mm-hmm. so I, I just did a quick look so they played the El Rey Theater in LA 771 capacity mm-hmm. the Roseland Ballroom in New York did you ever did you ever check that place out when you were up there mm-hmm. yeah 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 they played there for, uh, that's a big one 3200 capacity heavens uh, the Metro in Chicago, 1100. Are these all 90s dates? Yeah. This is all from okay. the Captain Direct Tour. Excellent. And then the uh, the other one I saw was Seattle's Showbox Comedy Club, which is another 1100 capacity. Um, did, did you find the capacity for the Q Club in Birmingham or just where this was recorded? I looked it up. I looked it up myself and like it looks like a pretty big venue, but like I'm but like not massive like maybe like eight nine hundred i'm thinking looks like the q club may have been a birmingham converted methodist church it was absolutely a church at one at one point uh i don't think That's it's the q cool. club i don't think it's the q club anymore because these things don't last too long you know uh um but like capacity i don't know don't think i could find uh it says atomic jam is a techno event in the united kingdom its home is the q club has a capacity of 1500 1500 okay interesting yeah 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 um so my big question that i wanted to ask um before diving in to the 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 lads from manchester that was more liverpool uh so when i go to a show um you know yeah i play guitars um not just one guitar. I play guitars. Um, <laughs> Several at the same time, which is miraculous to see. Hey, I've got two legs and two arms, so I can I play four guitars. Um, and you're just hitting that bass guitar with your dick. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, uh, whenever I go, I, I, I tend to gravitate towards the guitar player, you know, Yes. What pedals, what pedals are you using? What kind of amp is he using? Like, what you know? Yeah. What technique? When you go to watch a live electronic DJ, do you um, do you watch them and kind of get things for your arsenal? Like, do you think, oh, that was that was really cool? What they did. I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna go home and practice that. Like, is that? What's your relation to that? Absolutely. Um, uh. A lot of times, like this, just live PA stuff, like uh, you know, public address stuff. Like they're hooking up all their boxes into a giant mixer, like a mixing board, not like a DJ mixer, and they're playing everything through that. I'm watching, and some of it's so, you know, Greek. I, I don't, I don't know what that box is doing, or, or what this is, or, or what that is. So I'm not a real gearhead guy. I'm a DJ, you know. But um, so I'm, just, I'm more like watching, like, are they actually doing stuff? <laughs> Anymore. <laughs> Sometimes you'll see you'll see some people performing, and they're they're hitting play and messing with the EQs every once in a while. Um, really? The, the, yeah. Some it's quite scandalous. Um, <clears throat> but uh, these dudes were working in this show, man. Absolutely. Uh, but like, I remember, like, yeah, seeing like when I was like early uh, in my early DJ career, like seeing DJs. That's the best way to learn is seeing other people do it, and like. 
especially on this uh, Alive 97, like them, like just like cutting the volume and then putting it back and then, and then like, whoop, 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 like moving it up and down real quick, like their volume sliders to like, uh, to take something that they've already, they're already, they're already playing, but like make it sound like something new. Yeah. Like they'll, they'll, you know, a song will be playing and then notice like, they have this loop going like and then I'll just like cut it out like like adjusting like the muting and unmuting the the sound element that they're playing with and then dropping beats over that and now they now they just remix their own song on the fly so I I think that's brilliant that volume manipulation. Is that one of the things that you would say that maybe um, Daft Punk maybe pioneered in terms of live electronic performance, or do, is there something that you that you think they did pioneer, even if it's just the uh, the, I, the, I, the the appearance, the the look, the aesthetic? I mean, because I mean the. Uh, the robot head users there's just there's nothing like that you know and and the pyramid that from the show you saw matt uh yeah is there is there anything that you would say that they really pioneered they really didn't play live a lot from what from what it or perform live a lot from what i from what it seems or i could be totally mistaken uh their tours are few and far between yeah that's correct yeah they were more focused on like let's record this stuff and i think you know they would begalter and given what would tour like they would dj once in a while but they're not known for their djing yeah. necessarily um they do have a really great essential mix from around this era that's a bbc radio show radio one uh from this era which is a hard recommend i think th this this live performance um it reminded me of like stuff that's still going on like um the the, the because it's it's a pretty intense performance. Like it is it is like straight up this fucking French techno beating you over the head. Because um, it gets pretty heavy, dude. Like yeah. they, they're really leaning into the rolling scratching of it all in the track rolling. Like wow 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 wow. The real like rock and roll like bangers. Um, and that reminded me a lot of like what Justice was doing like ten years ago, and like uh, uh, and other bands and stuff like that. That like was I think really influenced by this kind of performance. Like. You listen to homework, and you can find little, uh, you know, interludes, like you said, of like of like melody and like and like you know, um, some calmer stuff. But like, these are bangers, like, yeah. and they are and they are banging away for forty five minutes, nonstop. Like, so the the idea of like them taking their tracks and these bangers, and it's like all they need to do is like take the kick drum out for a little bit, and people get amped up as they like in introduce a new element a new a new loop a new weird synth noise and then drop that kick again and people lose their minds so that that i think is like the the staying power of this performance and like i think influencing a lot of djs of how to play those tracks and you know uh, there was like a you know the big like a ed banger boom in the in the mid aughts like uh, with justice and uh, Simeon mobile disco and stuff like that like those guys took a lot from daft punk you know there's a french label ed banger um so they took a lot of that stuff like here's our album but like we're gonna b 
beat the shit out of you live. Like, <laughs> this is gonna be rock and fucking roll. So, and so, like, if you could just imagine these, like, synth loops as a guitar solo, and then, like, but we're always getting back to, like, the 4-4 the four, four, bang, bang, bang d- dance party up in it all. That's, like, a big influence, I think. Awesome. Yeah. This one was, uh, this one was really, really cool listening. It was great, because, I mean, cause I haven't really had the opportunity to go to a ton of electronic shows, so this was a really really great chance to kind of immerse myself in in an audio time machine you know i i listened to it on my favorite speaker here here at the home here at the house and while i had my coffee as i as i said i was going to and uh it was it was really great and i can't even imagine how cool uh it must have been to have caught them on this tour did, did you have a panic attack listening to this while drinking coffee? No. <laughs> no, because it was so cold outside. It was such a cold, like, dreary morning. Like, it was just, like, a nice balance. I was just kind of checking emails and, like, kind of being like, oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh. It was just, it was, it was good. It was. It'll, it was, it'll, it'll, it'll get you going. But it's, it's not like a, you know, <clears throat> it's not an early morning album, you know. Well, you're talking to the guy who, uh. <laughs> Is known to have yeah. watched wild things. At, <laughs> he, he's known to watch wild things with his morning coffee. So, uh. Jake gets started early. I like that. <laughs> uh, but no, I, what, what time of the morning did you listen to a live ninety-seven? I was about like nine. Fucking hell! All right, <laughs> that's uh, early for club bangers. But but your, your overall thoughts? Like, did you enjoy it? I was worried you would find it too. Uh, repetitive or boring or or too you know rough and too technically no you know like the the stuff uh like it was actually it kind of popped up on on my spotify it was one of the one of the um one of the artists we talked about and it, like the songs were all really long and i and i remember i had like i was kind of like oh they're kind of like longer all the longs like orbital oh orbital okay it's like that like repetitive kind of like mm-hmm. and then every so often something new comes in mm-hmm. with this you know the songs it didn't they change it's, I feel like it changed a lot you know like so it didn't like it didn't like stay on one beat or one patch for too long it kind of it kept going it kept changing yeah um, so even though it was a 45 minute set uh which I love. I thought that was really interesting, really unique. That was a great pick. Um, no, I wasn't like overwhelmed by the the length. It was, you know, I'm a, I I love. I'm a I'm big on playing pretend in my head, and I just kind of thought like, okay, like I'm gonna put myself into, you know, a sweaty club, you know, yeah. and I'm you know, it's '97, and I'm just going to try to picture what this is like and it was great it was a really cool experience wow i love that uh, and, that, and that's what i was thinking about it like after since we're both doing live albums i was we're doing like slices of a time period you know uh mm-hmm. and so a year before this tour uh according to google maps 114 miles away <laughs> you looked up the distance <laughs> okay 
<laughs> a year before, uh, a festival took place where a highly influential Britpop band from Manchester took the stage to, I think it was 250,000 people over two days. I think I think I had like 260 or, or something. Yeah, yeah. For two nights. My album that we did yeah. was Nebworth 1996 by the Gallagher brothers themselves, Oasis. I need to be myself. I can't be no one else. <laughs> the way he like pretentiously holds his hands behind his back when he sings to the mic. All right. I don't know. <laughs> I hate it, but I also kind of love it. Like it's kind of like, like it too. I'm not going to lie. I kind of like it too. It's kind of like, did you see that great shot of him? We're talking about Liam Gallagher where he's wearing that like, so, like, I feel like this show is just, like, rotten with great sweaters, you know? Oh, the outfits are bonkers. Like, like, wow. He's like, like you're playing. You're going to wear that. <laughs> baggy sweaters. and it's Baggy just, sweaters. It's a shot of, like, Liam Gallagher with his glasses on. He's got his longer hair. And he's just, like, standing there, like, looking off into space into his microphone. I'm just like, damn, that looks cool. Like, oh, like. The cool of it all gets a bit exhausting. Okay, so did, did you watch the whole documentary? I didn't. It, it came out, so, um, which I didn't realize this, but I thought it was really cool. Um, so the director, his name, how can I forget this? His name is Jake Scott. Oh. You might know his father, Sir Ridley Scott. No shit. Yeah. Wait, the guy that shot the concert or that, that or that cut the documentary? The director of the documentary, yeah. Is Jake Scott Ridley's son. Yeah. Far out. Isn't that nuts? Wow. It is nuts. Um But what a talented ass family. Jeez Louise. Mm. Um so I didn't I didn't make the I didn't make the the draft house was showing it and I I wanted so badly to do it, but I just couldn't make it but I watched some YouTube clips from from the concert and it just looked nuts. Just yeah, I listened on Spotify and then I I watched the uh, available clips on YouTube and good gracious, there's a lot of folks there. Uh, but so let's let's do some background on the show. So yes, um, the Nebworth 1996 uh, took place on August 10th and 11th, and I mentioned Del Preston from Wayne's World too. 
And so after after Dell, the first time I heard the word Nebworth uh, is in Wayne's World oh. 2. Okay, does he say Nebworth? He goes, because he's like, now if you want to put on a really good rock concert, like <laughs> Nebworth in England or Woodstock, you have to do <laughs> at the playing fields. And, you know, I, I've taken to like, watching movies with the captions on and i think it's great oh because you're getting old you're getting old, I'm getting old. <laughs> but I, i'm catching things that i missed before and that's one of those things that i totally missed i was just like oh he's talking about nebworth and this is yeah. what we're talking about today um nebworth. so let's see so ne- and so nebworth is it's actually a, a home like the land that on the the fields there is a home there mm-hmm. uh, i think i saw it was built in like the 1400s um, kind of like woodstock right isn't woodstock kind of like a little neighborhood it's like a farm yeah yeah Excellent. it's a big old space hmm? um and so according to wikipedia two and a half million people applied for tickets which i think it also said it, that was like two percent of of england's uh population <laughs> Wow. So this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Yeah. How much for tickets? And let's compare them to Daft Punk's 14 bucks. So read my mind. Yeah. Uh, tickets to a- Oasis at Nebworth in 96. Were, uh, I don't know what the, how does 2250 pounds that came out to be $30 USD. And these are, could, these are, uh, these are affordable shows that we're going to tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Did you see the openers for this concert? I wrote down uh, what, who opened because uh, I, I did not see that because I was really I was very curious who opened. Okay, so there the openers changed both nights. Okay. Personally, I think you and I would have had a better time going on the <laughs> August tenth date. Night one. Okay. So gates open at twelve hundred hours, so noon. Uh, then there's the bootleg Beatles, which I think are just like the shitty Beatles. Okay. <laughs> they suck. <laughs> so it's not just a clever name. Yeah. <laughs> okay. After bootleg Beatles, the Chemical Brothers. Fuck. Right off. Which, dude, that makes sense because Noel sang on Let Forever Be. Yeah, they're buds, apparently. Or they collab, at least. That's, wow. my, that's my next point right there. Around um, this era, too. What was Surrender 97? 99. 99. How about that? And then there's a, a group called Ocean Color Scene, who I'm not familiar with. Manic Street Preachers. Uh, yep. I, I'm not familiar with them, but the name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Opening, bef- opening for Oasis, The Prodigy. This is all night one? Yeah, this is night one. Fuck. I think I've seen this poster before, like, uh, in my little, uh, like, Facebook feeds and stuff. Wow. And then Oasis uh, played. And then there was a fireworks display. I love that. It's like Disneyland. I love it. Uh, <laughs> wow. So you, you talked about um, their buds. So... I, I actually came to a really big realization 
while listening and doing research for this one. That the Gallagher's are shitheads? Oh, no, I knew that way before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but I actually think the city of Manchester is my all-time favorite music city. Wow. We have, so New York, Los Angeles, even Austin. You know, sure. these are, these are you know, cities, you know, known for, amongst other things, like their music scenes. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that people came from all over different places to those cities to make their career in music. Uh-huh. Okay. Manchester, these bands were Manchester from the city. You know what I'm saying? It, it, so, is, it is their origin. They're not, they're not from somewhere else. Exactly. So okay, I've just looked. You have the Smiths. I love the Smiths. Wow. Oasis. Joy Division. Splash. New Order. Wow. Um, you got the Chemical Brothers. Bands like the 1975. When in Rome. Do you remember them? They're the ones that sing. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to do the right words to say. I know they don't tell them I plan them to me. Um, <laughs> the Outfield, the band that sings like, I just want to use your love tonight. Uh-huh, of course. These are all like Manchester bands, you know? And it's like, I, I just, I think that's incredible. I think it's incredible. Um, the only thing I can really like, kind of like compare for like American, it would be like mid, uh, Detroit and the Motown sounds, um, mm. mm-hmm. and then and Seattle too. Sure, grunge. Um, but other than that, I mean, that, that Manchester sound, I mean, it's just really incredible. Um, yeah, definitive. Definitive, absolutely. When uh, did you first get into Oasis? Yeah, I think it. I think it was Guitar Hero Two. Um, had some might say, and I remember hearing that and being like. Being like, oh man, like that guitar is nasty, you know, <laughs> like, mm. uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't like a lot of like showy, like craziness. It, it, it was all stuff that like I, I felt I could play, um, and just really catchy. Uh, yeah, that's when I really started to like open up to Oasis. So I guess that was two thousand seven. Before then, I think I, I mean, I heard Wonderwall. I think we all of course. did. Yeah, there's there's that like joke like anyway here's Wonderwall like like yeah. that's like the guy with the guitar at the fi- fire pit thing like every every douchebag with a guitar plays Wonderwall. I was I was the guy who had the guitar at my high school parties and I remember people asking me, "Can you play Wonderwall?" And I'd be like, "Really? Ooh. Yeah." <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> like, How about you? I, what are your earliest memories of Oasis? I mean, I caught them uh, tangentially, you know, of course, like, uh, from radio and stuff like that. I'm always like, I was always like, this is pretty cool. I like this. I like the sound. Like, it's the the melody is all there. You know, Wonderwall, uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, uh, Champagne Supernova, of course. Supernova. Uh, Supernova. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they sing with their dialect, which is, like, very much different from the Beatles who kind of sang in American accents because I think they were influenced by blues music and stuff like that. But these guys wear it on their sleeves that they talk weird. <laughs> um, which, which is actually, so their Oasis is like the, Oasis and Blur, which I don't really care for Blur, 
Um, you don't like Blur? Uh, not as much as Oasis. Okay, I'll say that. I, I, I like Oasis over more than Blur. Jacob. Is that controversial? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see when we get comments for this episode. So, like, I looked up what makes a band Britpop, and the the definition was kind of just, like, bands that really don't hide their Britishness. Yeah. And I was... And, that makes sense. I mean, I think there's more to it than that, but like, yeah, like these, you do, you, there is, you do not listen to, you know, one verse of Oasis and not know that those guys are from the UK. Even Noel's, even Noel's, uh, Union Jack, uh, guitar, <laughs> you know, that gives it away too, but you just hear them and you know they're, yeah, they're from the UK. They're deeply, deeply British. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was I was into the music, you know, when I was a kid and like when it was coming out and all that stuff. I was a fan-ish. I don't know. I was like I wasn't gonna change the dial or anything, but the, but I almost immediately the story kind of became these guys are problematic and they're fighting all the time, and like I'm like oh well, like, is like the story about them encompassing this very good music? Like so like what what is Jake? What is the deal with the Gallagher brothers? I I didn't get to see the Network 96, but I have seen another documentary about Oasis called Supersonic. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ego involved. Yup. Like super ego. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, so Noel is the songwriter. He's the guy who writes the songs, he writes the lyrics, Liam sings them. Got it. And I think I think that pisses Liam off, or at least pissed him off. I see. Because, I mean, in, in all honesty, like, in his interviews, like, Noel seems like an, uh, like an all right guy. Like, he's, I mean... Noel's the chill one. Yeah. Yeah, and Liam's kind of a bleh, he's sociopath. Like, he's like a maniac. He's an egomaniac. Egomaniac. Oh, it's a perfect way to describe him. But I also, like, I find him, like, I, I just cannot look away from his his interviews or anything. Like Sometimes you want an egomaniac rock star. I don't know. That's it's why else be a rock star, I guess. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, in 2022, we don't have a lot of egomaniacs anymore because it's considered kind of uh, gauche. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, like, yeah, if, if, if 100 people a day are telling you that you're God, you're probably going to start believing it at a certain point. Yeah. I remember, like, when Oasis was becoming huge and, like, some interview or quote from Liam was, like, he's, like, we're bigger than the Beatles. You know, we're, we're actually God now. Like, like, I'm like, okay, wow, this guy's really, <laughs> he's really buying he's into. Kool-Aid, you know, like. He's drinking his own Kool-Aid, yeah. <laughs> he's really, uh, whew, it's hard to deny the music. The music's fucking great. I mean, I'm a fan. Yeah, um, you're right. I mean, they're just solid rock and roll songs. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the ones, it's one of the ones on this one, like Supersonic, I absolutely adore that song. Uh, some might say, but they're, listening to this one, there were actually some songs I'd never really like paid attention to or heard before and was really, really taken, taken back by those. During like their acoustic set, where they bring out like an like a mini orchestra, like the strings were fantastic. That was amazing. What I liked is like that they were like clearly like having fun with this. Like 
on that song, whatever, like Noel starts singing, excuse me, uh, Mop the Hoople's All the Young Dudes. Yeah, yeah, I love that. All the young dudes. I love that. He's just like going on in the background. I'm just like, that's that's cool. Like, I, 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 I like that. Well, it's like um, he's, 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 they're lifting from other songs and kind of, well, remixing one of their, one of their classics as they, as they play it, just like Daft Punk did with Armand Van Helden's remix of Defunk in Alive from the Seven. They, they, uh, brought, they brought elements of Armand. That, you left that out, you sneaker. What? No, it's there. <laughs> like they, they Armand bring, was involved in there. Well, they, they bring, he did a remix of one of their tunes and they, and they played elements of his remix in it. Just like, yeah, and I, I, I don't know. In stark contrast to the Gallagher brothers, whose uh, relationship and tension seems to be on the forefront, Daft Punk, you know nothing about the relationship, and yeah. they do not talk to anyone. <laughs> we're, we're dealing as we compare and contrast these performances and bands. It's it's really about this relationship with these two people, seemingly. Absolutely, um, and I think what you said something earlier that that is so true is. Um, the the drama tends to overshadow the music, you know, which is a bummer because Oasis has some like great songs as like showcased on this on this album. Yeah, um, I, I wonder. I, I I I'm just kind of thinking of this right now. I wonder if because like we said a year later, Daft Punk do, does a tour and they don't have the helmets yet. I wonder. I wonder if they watched Oasis like fall apart to infighting and thought, how can we avoid that? What if no one knows who we are? <laughs> and and they put the helmets on to not be the Gallagher brothers and, and to just be Daft Punk in this in this nebulous idea instead of like, oh, we're we're two people and these are names and these are faces. Let's not let's avoid anything. Because they probably fight and argue every once in a while. Like, no, that they the bass drum should be over here or whatever. But like, sure, because if you work with like another guy for 20 years, you're going to have disagreements. But like, let's not be those dudes who are like shitting on each other all the time and like fighting on stage. Let's just not speak. And let's not have faces. Like, I, I wonder if it, I wonder if Oasis influenced Daft Punk to put the helmets on. I, I don't think that's very far-fetched because like, I mean, Oasis sold... 250,000 tickets to this show. You know, like 2.5 yes. million people applied for tickets. I think I read on online that that would come out to be 20 sold out shows. You know, so like at this time, they're arguably the biggest rock band in the world. Like they're, and their drama, I imagine it was inescapable. Yeah. You know, so I, maybe. Other bands were like, let's not be that, you know? <laughs> it's such a bummer because it's like, they're Oasis, but like, I refer to them as the Gallagher Brothers, you know? It's like- We've been calling them that, yeah, yeah. But no, that that, that is wild. Yeah, they're, they're just kind of like a model of like, what not to be. Cause it's just, it's true. It's like, their, their work is overshadowed by like the drama that just constantly, and they're like, they still talk about each other, like in, in interviews, you know, like they're like, like I remember, like talk about Blur. So Damon Albarn, the singer, Auburn, Auburn. Uh, he came out and said some nasty things about uh, Taylor Swift recently. And well, I saw that he said she, he, he said that she doesn't write her own shit. 
Yeah, he like under- undermined her like her songwriting, which is you know incorrect and not cool for for any songwriter. Um, Liam Liam came out in defense of Taylor Swift, which I really liked. Um, and apparently, there's like this like feud between Oasis and Blur. <laughs> I think it's because they were uh, both like Britpop artists and coming up same like, same era and shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, Oasis has to have out, outsold Blur like a, a couple times over, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, th- and this is like '96. That's peak Oasis, right? I think I asked you that, like peak, like popularity. Yeah. After this, it was kind of like downhill for them. Did they release an album after this? They released a couple. I think the last one they did was 2008. So more recent than huh. you might imagine. Like at least, like I remember seeing that and was like, really? Oh wait, did it flop? I don't remember an Oasis album from 08. Yeah, it's called Dig Out Your Soul. Mm-hmm. But uh, in a Billboard article, uh, when asked about the the, uh, the guy's comments about Taylor Swift, uh, he says, I'm going to do my best Liam Gallagher. This is quoting Liam Gallagher. He says, boo, all them, all them fucking Gorilla albums are co-writes, aren't they? I get it. Noel bangs them out as well. I'm more important than you because I write my own fucking songs. Gallagher said, seemingly pointing out that a large number of songs from Albarn's virtual band Gorillas are credited to the Fleur, Blur frontman and a number of co-writers, including the band's co-founder. He said Gorillas is what? He said all the... See? You couldn't... See? I nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The accent is too thick. I couldn't hear what he was saying. What Liam was uh, saying. <laughs> uh, he was saying... He was like, all the Gorillas... All the Gorilla songs are co-writes. Why is he saying... Co-writes. Yeah. Yeah. Why is he shitting on? Yeah. 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 Well, like you got like Dan the Automator is in Gorillas. Like he's producing that shit. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then Gallagher says, "I just because any chance I can do my best, Liam Gallagher." He says, "Go, go, go." Well, he won't be saying that again in a hurry, though, Willie. Gallagher said, "Did he not get ran out of fucking town by the Swifters? I think Taylor's fucking cool, man. She does write her songs, and I'm sure she's co-wrote with people." I feel like that was good. I feel like that was good. Solid impression and a good point from Liam, who was who got thank you for gracing the podcast, Liam. Yeah, I did. you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. He's less ability. <laughs> oh, you're fucking welcome. You fucking twat. <laughs> I, I love I love the banter. Uh I love the Yes. It's crazy. Like oh, fuck it, stop it. <laughs> I, I he he just like I love like the the spontaneity of like live performance and it's it's like on full effect here like like Liam will be finishing a song he'll be like sing yourself ah! you know like <laughs> just just amping the crowd up like that's what that's what that man does he just like like I'm, I'm sitting here listening to it you know at home and I'm just like yeah that's awesome you know I, I don't know and it was 26 years ago now do you like the way they announce every song that they're gonna do before they start playing it? I, I I didn't quite care for it. At first, I wasn't on board, but then he'd be like, "Supersonic," and they yeah. would play the song, and he'd be like, "Or uh, some might say, yeah." Or it, I think they do it for most every song on the on the performance. Like, like, well, let's let's figure it out. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> like, like most like most things, Liam Gallagher, I'm just like, oh, I roll. But then, after a while, I'm just like, oh, that's cool. 
do it again. You know. I mean, he's <laughs> he's uh, d- he does not lack any confidence. That that I mean, the guy is in control of two hundred sixty thousand people. Like, and everyone's devouring it. So he's doing something right. Personality aside, and the music's great. There's no denying. I enjoyed the hell out of this. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, it's just it's a slice of like a really cool um, period of like '90s rock. You know, um, rip hop was kind of like an answer to the grunge movement. Interesting. I didn't. I didn't think about that. Hmm. Yeah. The, okay. So the grunge was happening over here, and then across the country, and then across another pond. Like, is this? Well, how would you describe rip hop? Like, like, like a, a melodic kind of angst. I would argue melodic and psychedelic. Um, okay. There's some. There's some. There's some hope here. Live yeah. forever. Like, like I, I, in stark contrast to like, the grunges of Nirvana, of like, oh, we're all gonna die and shit. Yeah. This seems to be some hope and positivity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lo- loved cast no shadow. Um, yeah. That's a don't look back and don't look back in anger. It was really great. I, I, I've heard that one before, but I loved it. Um, that's one where and that's another Noel singing, and, you, and you, it's just like Liam, just like with Wonderwall. I think I, I think I dig the Noel tunes more. Yeah, seems to be where he's singing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Liam has a very like he sings through his nose. Like, he has a very, ah, kind of, Don't like, look back in anger! I've heard you say! Which is pretty great. That's a great line. It, it's it's awesome. And, uh, you know, and just, like, you have, like, Liam, just, like, kind of, you can kind of see him in, in, these, in footage. He's just kind of, like, sauntering around the stage every now and then playing, like, a, a tambourine. Which is which is a very uh, Pearl Jammy move, right? Yeah. It doesn't, uh, what's his Face. Uh, Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder, he brings out tambourines and like Rrr! there and there's just like there's a wealth of like videos of these guys on YouTube. Like Noel Gallagher's uh, Hot Ones episode was really funny. He was on Hot Ones? Yeah. I don't think I've seen that. <laughs> Dude, it's a it's a oh. it's a recommend because you're like cause you he's he's Noel Gallagher, but he just seems just kind of like a, a an alright guy. I mean he's like still like got a head bigger than mars but i mean yeah yeah not like in your face about it i think maybe maybe one of the biggest lessons here is like don't work with your family (laughs) that's what i'm getting from it well these guys ruined so many christmases for their families (laughs) you know they did (laughs) i uh like there's like there's just it's really interesting it's like there's like merry christmas you fucking twat yeah. Oh, is Noel gonna be there? Oh, oh, <laughs> like, well, I'm like, not going. I'm not going. You know, like, I, I think it was one of them called the other one like a potato at one point, which. Oh, burn! I don't know what that. <laughs> what do you mean? I have no idea. Yo, yo, right, potato, you are. Like what? All right. Or like, and the other one, I think Noel was like, they're like, what do you, what did you hear your, you know, your brother. Uh, what he said about you, he's like, he's like, is he even real? Like, does he even <laughs> exist? I don't even think, is he real? I don't, he's just like literally questioning like the existence of his brother. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. They're on the Graham, Na- Graham Norton show. Is it Graham Norton? 
Yeah. Uh, he's got one with Noel on there. And then he's got another one with Liam. It's Liam and uh, Idris Elba. Ooh. I, oh, I would love it. it. Just please tell me that Idris Elba beats the hell out of Liam. Gallagher. They talked about They actually got into a fight. <laughs> no shit. Why would you ever flex on Idris Elba? He can beat the shit out of you. They, like, I'll, I'll, I'll have to, I'll send it to you post, please. post episode. Please um, send me the link to that shit. Oh my God. And then the other one, it's like Noel. And it's like, <laughs> it's almost like people feed into it. They're just like, oh, do you have you talked to Liam? He's like, no, I haven't. Hey, let's all wave to him in the camera. Hi, Liam. And, then, and just like. So everyone's going to, anytime Liam or Noel are in an interview, they're going to ask about the other. Like, but do you think the brothers are like, are they, are they leaning into it the fight of it all or like you think they text each other and say hey i'll just did grum norton and talk shite about you that's <laughs> that's that's scottish so uh like do you think they're in on the joke or probably not they probably just hate each other's guts i in my gut i don't think it's out of the question that we'll see an oasis reunion someday sure well again we're in the nostalgia era and that's like that's what sells right now. So I'd go see a Oasis reunion show and watch them melt, melt, melt down on stage. With each other. <laughs> Rammstein doesn't get in fights like this. No way. <laughs> Rammstein just like shoots fire out of like their crotches. And- yeah. And does, does God knows what after the show with each other. <laughs> um, Jake, it's 1996 and you got tickets and a, and a plane ticket and you're going to Nebworth and you're going to go see this crazy show with Manic Street Peaches, Chris, uh, Chemical Brothers, uh, Prodigy, and, and seeing a famous Oasis concert. What are you wearing? And who are you going with? Oh, man. I, so it's 90... Okay. So 96, am <laughs> I... <laughs> okay. Am I eight years old or am I at least 18? Oh God, I forgot how old I am. All right, no, you're 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 at an appropriate age. Okay, to, like, cool. So, to, so nine. To okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah, you're nine. So okay, uh, appropriate I got, age. I got my, I got my sippy cup. And yeah. Then... <laughs> um, okay, so I'm wearing some baggy jeans because I wasn't confident enough to wear jinkos. Chain wallet. <laughs> so so somewhere in the middle between skinny and jinko. Yeah. There you are. All right. Chain wallet? Chain wallet. Oh, yeah. Leather wristbands. <laughs> and uh, I'm wearing a nice, thick, baggy sweater. Sure. A lot of, a lot of big sweaters. Yeah. yeah. Going with, probably going with my dad <laughs> because he would every time there like he i'd be like oh wrestling's coming to town and he'd be like huh? oh, oh oh let's go you know something like that i'm going oh, that's cool. uh, oh, my like mom and sister are also coming along but they're waiting in the hotel room <laughs> and what am i thinking i'm thinking i hope they play wonderwall oh and well of course some might say yeah yeah yeah, and yeah. i'm also thinking gosh i hope i see kate moss <laughs> do you think they'll, d- Dad? Do you think they'll be pretty girls at this show? 
How will Scary Spice be there? Well, how is Sporty Spice? <laughs> Any of the spices will be great. I think huh? I've got a shot. I think I've got a shot with cumin. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's what I'm thinking. Um, that's what we yeah. do. And then I would probably just like lose my mind to have been. I would have been towards <laughs> the back because I don't like being around a bunch of people. I'd like to be able to move and dance a little bit. Even in your younger years, you didn't you didn't want to be in like the pit. Yeah, I just I never I like the I would get like claustrophobic real bad. Yeah, I had a really bad experience. Um, oh boy, that'll do it. At my first show, I I tried to get up real close to the front, and the band kicked in. It was a hardcore show. Yeah, and I literally came out of my shoes. Dude, dude, the same thing happened to me at a mindless self indulgence show. Yeah. Like, I didn't really know what was going to happen. I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. I'm like, and then the band starts playing, and then whoosh, I am 10 feet across the room. I, I'm just thrown immediately. Shoes stayed on, but I'm like on my back, like against, like, I'm like, what the, f what? And I collect myself, and then like, all right, I'm going to keep my distance. And now that I'm approaching 87, I'm like, <laughs> me I'm like, give me a cool spot on the mezzanine around where I can see down below, uh, and the, and uh, and I have like a, a server that will bring me drinks or whatever. I don't fuck with the pit anymore. I'm way too old. I can't even go to festivals anymore. It's too hot. <laughs> no, like I uh, I'm right there with you. Like I'm just like, ooh, armchairs. I'll take that. You know. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like near a stool if I want it. I'll stand yeah. up and like lean over the edge. But like I, I don't I don't need to like. <laughs> like these days if i'm standing up for too long my lower back will start hurting and i'll just be like oh god dude, dude my back has been hurting for the last like four days and i don't even know what i did i think i like, coughed too hard and like pulled a muscle <laughs> i'm just falling apart <laughs> well, there's one thing i can only say that is just you know don't look back in anger yeah i heard you say Hold on, let me, let me let's get back in our machine. <laughs> leaving ninety, we leaving ninety six. Ah, oh, we're back. We're back. Oh, that was a that was a good slice of ninety six and ninety seven. Yeah, woof. That was great. Well, I'm I'm really happy you enjoyed that one, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. And and thanks for chatting with me about it. Of course. Uh, what are you thinking for next time? Man, next week's artist um, is one that he's kind of always on my mind. This this guy, he's he's a special artist. Um, and he's one I have I have a lot of memories of listening to this particular album. And I'm very excited. This is our first time listening to him. Uh -huh. Very excited to welcome. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Lenny Kravitz. Oh, um, oh okay. <laughs> Lenny Kravitz, then. All right. And so we're doing Lenny Kravitz 5 from 1998. Lenny Kravitz 5 from 98. Okay. You might remember this one for uh, uh, its six singles. Did not know that. Um, but 
most famously Fly Away. Uh-huh. And American Woman. I'm going to have you listen to an album from May of 1999, uh, recorded 98 to 99. Um, and it's called Vertigo. And it's an album by a, another duo, of course. They're all duos. Uh, called Groove Armada. Tracks to listen to on this album are Chicago at the River, uh, In My Bones, um, and, and of course, I See You, Baby. Uh, I See You, Baby. Shaking, Shaking that ass. ass. Which was later remixed by Fatboy Slim to Much, uh, much Plum. So is, is, am I most familiar with Fatboy Slim's version? You probably are. Oh. But these, these guys, but the, so you have to listen to the original now. And, um, and these guys are like, it's, it's going to be chiller than you think it is. It's going to be a little more moody. And one of the guys plays trombone, trombone uh, on a lot of tracks. And there's like some really cool, like chill out stuff here. We're going to get a little chill with it. Yeah. The, the type of music you would probably actually sip Mimos to. Correct. Maybe, you know what? Can we, can we make a promise that we actually sip Mimos next record? Let's do it. Okay, awesome. <laughs> All right, well, I think that about wraps it up, man. <laughs> I, I think so. It, it was, well, Elliot, what a wonderful time talking. Absolutely. What an absolute uh, pleasure. Very, uh, one very influential tour, one very, very influential show. Yes. Uh, it, was, it was great to time travel and put ourselves yeah. in those sweaty clubs and that sweaty field and rock. Yeah. Out a bit. I had a great time going with to the shows with you, man. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, as always, we'll see you next time. Everyone stay safe. Shoot us an email, follow us on Instagram, tell your friends and subscribe and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, but uh, as always, uh, stay sipping, stay sipping. <laughs> I'll catch you next time. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. Later, <laughs> Wait a minute.